Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Isometry by Syntax 6 on Omniscribe. Rating Explicit. Chapter 5. The two phones in his house rang slightly out of register with one another, like calling birds, despite the fact that they were attached to the same line. Mulder grabbed the closest one and shut them both up. Hello? Hello, Fox? It was Scully, and yet it wasn't. His brain took a moment to resolve the confusion, and when it figured it out, his tone shifted to cautious. Hello, Mrs. Scully. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you. How are you? Fine, he said, taking a page from the Scully handbook. He lowered himself into his desk chair and rocked backwards. If there was something wrong, he was going to make her be the one to say it. I hope I'm not interrupting you. I'm calling because it's Dana's birthday in a couple of weeks, and the family is having a kind of surprise party. Her brothers are flying in, and my sister is coming down from New York. Surprise party, Mulder repeated. Wondering about the wisdom of this boondoggle, Scully kept an itemized daily to-do list in her appointment book. She did not seem to enjoy surprises. That's, um, that's great. I just thought with everything that's been going on, she'll love it. We hope you can come, of course. It'll be the afternoon of the 22nd rather than Monday the 23rd. Maybe you could help get her out of the house so we can set up? Mulder tried to remember the last time he had attended a birthday party. College, he supposed, when they had all piled into the pub and drank themselves silly to celebrate. But the thought of Scully, surrounded by streamers and balloons, made him smile. I'll do whatever you need, he said. Great. He heard the rustling of paper on the other end, and imagined the older Scully keeping a rather neat list herself. The main reason I'm calling, this is a little strange for me to say, is I've realized I don't know who Dana's friends are these days. She never mentions anyone, and I thought maybe you would know. Mulder's smile faded. Once there had been friends, at the beginning, her stakeout chatter had been peppered with names, people with ordinary names, to match their ordinary lives. And he just tuned her out until she started talking about work again. That was what was important. This was serious business, Scully. Keep up. Keep up. If we run fast enough, we might just figure out what we're chasing. She'd shed people as she'd shed pounds, becoming lighter, leaner, unencumbered, bone and gristle. He took a deep breath. She never mentions anyone to me either. Oh, she said, a small sound, heartbreaking in its wistfulness. I see. It'll be just family then, and you. And me, he agreed. He would go and smile and stand in for all the people lost along the way. He would try to be enough. Mulder left the heater off in his car, and the night chill seeped in through the vents. His white knuckles gripped the wheel with purpose, invigorated, reckless. He pointed the car towards the highway and did not stop to think about the consequences. By damn, if she had been following his lead all these years, then the least he could do was show her a different path. Don't make this about me, she had said but this didn't know how to measure otherwise. She was the metric of his life. 
he found Miranda's apartment with no trouble, and the dash clock winked out at 10.33 as he cut off the engine. Grabbing her book, he got out and jogged across the deserted street. The chain-link gate squeaked as he pushed it open. He walked up the steps and rang the bell for the first floor, then hung back, his breath puffing in the cold, damp air. A moment later, he heard footsteps, and the white curtain on the door pulled aside. Miranda peered out at him from behind the squarish glasses. He gave her a feeble wave. Agent Mulder? She opened the door, and he saw she was dressed in her pajamas. Flannel checkered pants stuck out beneath her robe. Hi, sorry about the hour. That's okay, she said, but still sounded a bit confused. Would you like to come in? No, he backpedaled. No, thanks. I know it's late. I wanted to return this and... and to see you. You did. She accepted the book and leaned against the doorframe. Her arms folded across her chest. Yes, I wanted to know if you might like to have dinner sometime. Uh, with me. She raised her eyebrows. Why? Why? He shoved his hands in his pockets, shifting from one foot to the other. The other night, I thought you might want to... And you made it pretty clear you didn't. Um, this was supposed to have been much easier. I'm sorry, maybe I should just go. No, wait. She leaned forward and placed a hand on his arm. I didn't mean to give you a hard time. It's just, when you left like that the other night, I didn't really expect to see you again. And now, here you are out of nowhere. She slid her hand down his coat until she grasped his hand. Hers was soft and warm. I just want to understand. She took a step closer to him, her bare feet on the cold wooden boards of the porch. Not everyone disappeared when he told. Scully had stayed on his bed that first night and listened to the whole story without judgment. When he had knocked on her door the next morning, he had expected no answer. But there she had been, still believing him. If they really believed, Scully had told him today, they'd be terrified. He swallowed with difficulty. I don't do this very often, he said to Miranda. She squeezed his hand and smiled. Well, I didn't think it was knacked. And hey, we're just talking about dinner, right? Right. He tried to imagine it. He and she dressed up in a nice restaurant and surrounded by clinking wine glasses and scraping forks. Tried to make it real in his head, but the image kept zooming in and out, blurring and making him dizzy. When, Miranda asked. Uh, he hadn't gotten that far in his plan. How's Thursday? I'm going to be in D.C. that afternoon doing some research. Thursday. Thursday's good. If real life had people like Miranda in it, maybe it was worth a try. She'd be his secret partner as he went deep undercover as an ordinary citizen. 7.30, she said, when he didn't elaborate. Great, I'll, uh, I'll probably still be at the office. I know where that is, she teased him gently. Just keep going down the stairs until you can't go any further. That's me, the FBI's most unwanted. Now that's, she said, leaning in to kiss his cheek. It's certainly not true. Good night, Agent Mulder. Good night. The warmth vanished with her, replaced by the slicing wind. Mulder touched the spot on his cheek where Miranda's lips had been. He stood tingling on the porch for a moment before returning to his car. Like any good field agent, he dug out his cell phone to report his findings. Scully awoke to a ringing phone 
and a couch imprint on her face. She rubbed her cheek with one hand, reaching around the huge pickle jar with the other to retrieve her phone from the coffee table. Hello? It's me, Scully. Mulder. She sat up, blinking sleepily as she tried to read the clock across the room. What time is it? Quarter to eleven. Oh, shit. Were you asleep? I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. I wasn't in bed. I wanted to find out how the test went, he said. At the doctor's. I'll know the results tomorrow, but everything seems okay. She ran her fingers over the smooth, cool glass jar in front of her. The giant pickle bobbed inside. I found your rather strange offering when I got home. It's a big one, isn't it? She could hear the smile in his voice. Maybe it's even lucky. You should hang on to it for a while to make sure. Don't eat it. No, she said smiling too. I won't eat it. You were right about today, Scully. I can't blame anyone else for my choices. No, I shouldn't have pushed you. No, you were right. Her heart stopped. I was? I think maybe I get too focused on what I can't have. I keep chasing the impossible and inventing stories for myself about why my life has to be the way it is. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't have to be this way. But I thought after what you said, I would at least check out the theory. I'm not sure I'm following you, Mulder. He was quiet for a moment. Maybe you're following me too much. What? I took your advice, Scully. I'm in Baltimore at Miranda's. Well, outside Miranda's. We're going to have dinner on Thursday. My advice. Scully closed her eyes and leaned her head back against the sofa. Yes. When she didn't say anything further, Mulder spoke up again. I should let you get some sleep. I just wanted you to know I heard what you were saying today. Good night. Night. She lay back down on the couch, her eyes even with the pickle. It blocked out everything else in her view. I took your advice, he said, as though they were playing some grown-up version of Simon Says. In the space of a few hours, he had transformed her from the martyr in his life to host of the Mulder dating game. She eyed the pickle with disgust. Lucky my ass. Thursday morning, Scully had a homicide and a cup of coffee for breakfast. The homicide, a high-ranking general, shot to death in his limo by a man who wasn't there, was certainly more interesting than a bagel, but not as filling. She tamped down her stomach's small, pathetic grumbles, and soon it fell silent altogether. By noon, she was blinking away spots from her eyes, but she attributed the fuzziness to Mulder's crazy theory about Traeger hiding himself by slipping into holes in his victim's visual fields. Mulder, there are no such holes, she told him in the car, once they had served their warrant. I've done the trick, Scully, in science class, in the third grade. You hold a piece of paper out with a cross on one side and a circle on the other. Look straight ahead and move the paper back and forth. The cross will disappear and reappear as it goes in and out of the blind spot. Not if you have both eyes open, she argued. It's true that each eye has a blind spot from where the ocular nerve enters the brain, but the other eye compensates for the small hole. Besides, we're talking about a section of the visual field that is maybe a couple square centimeters. There's no way you can miss a grown man. But haven't you told me? The phone rang and cut him off. Mulder, he said. Scully watched his face for hints about the caller. Yes, yes, sir. 
We'll be there. What is going on, she asked when he hung up. Tiger, he's just shown up at the Vietnam Memorial and then disappeared again. Skinner wants us to meet him there. There's a rededication of the wall scheduled for tonight. And Skinner's worried some of the officials might be targets. From a dead man? Who's apparently not so dead. The egg behind Scully's eyes intensified. Four years ago, there had been only two categories of people in her life. The dead and the living. Then Mulder had come along with a whole new filing system. Not so dead, she said, trying out the label, but apparently also invisible. He shook his head. I still think it's a trick. Didn't you tell me that the eyes are really a tiny part of vision that we really see with our brains? The signals coming in through the eyes are very rough, yes. The brain has to refine and classify them before we can recognize even simple lines. Exactly. Mulder slapped the steering wheel for emphasis. So the brain could perhaps be fooled into deciding something isn't there when it really is. Scully turned her head as if to look out the window, using the time to slip two pills into her mouth. She swallowed them dry. Admit it, Scully. We only see what we want to see. It turned out, as usual, that Mulder was at least partially right. Tigger wasn't dead, except then he was, and now she had blood on her clothes and bags under her eyes. You want to drive? Mulder said, jingling the keys at her. She managed to shake her head. He slipped behind the wheel, and she slipped into the seat beside him, fumbling with the seat buckle twice before finding the catch. The roar of the engine seemed overloud, the sound leaping up from behind her to drown out her pounding heart. She gritted her teeth and willed herself not to be sick. Fuck, he said a moment later. She pried her eyes open, enough to look at him. His gaze was on the dash. It's almost eight. I was supposed to meet Miranda at 7.30. So call her. I don't know her number. In the dark, Scully felt perversely satisfied. She'll understand. Yeah, I'm sure people stand her up because of invisible assassins all the time. Well, she'll have to get used to it. She could feel Mulder's eyes on her, but she refused to answer his look. Back at the Hoover building, she lagged behind as they walked through the lobby. Her feet felt weighted down, even as her head felt curiously light. Mulder stopped short when they rounded the potted plants, and it took a moment for her to figure out why. Miranda sat on one of the long benches. After hours, she said, as she stood with a smile, Apparently, they don't let civilians wander the building around unsupervised. I figured I could wait here. Scully caught Mulder's rueful look. Sorry about that, he said. We got hung up on a case. Miranda glanced at the bloodied edge of Scully's suit jacket. It would seem so. Everything okay? Fine, Scully answered. The ground rolled beneath her feet, and she swallowed hard. I'll just be downstairs. Yeah, come downstairs for a minute, Mulder said to Miranda. I'm really sorry about this. The bright fluorescent lights of the elevator shone like lasers to Scully, and she kept her eyes focused downward. She could see Miranda reflected in the metal panels reaching for Mulder's shoulder. You have a leaf, Miranda said, and Scully dropped her gaze even more. The room went black. Scully sucked in her breath and grabbed for the railing. You okay? shared Mulder asked. Yeah. She blinked and her vision returned but her heart rate had doubled. She retained her death grip on the rail. Sure, Mulder pressed. Mulder, I'm fine. 
It came out more harshly than she'd intended, but she just wanted the questions to stop. She needed every precious bit of concentration to go to the office, fetch her things, and go home. The soft ding of the elevator signaled their floor, and Scully walked out first. Sit down for a few minutes, she coached herself. Catch your breath, and everything will be fine. I understand if you want to postpone dinner, Randa was saying as they entered the office. Please, Scully thought. Go, she said in her chair. Uh, Mulder hedged. He sat too, and rubbed his eyes with one hand. I have reservations at Lascalia. Fancy, Miranda observed. There was a pause. Maybe a bit much for tonight. Well, then how do you feel about cheesesteaks? Love them. Mulder shuffled some papers around and stood. Then I adjust the place. Scully? Hmm? Scully grabbed the nearest folder and opened it, the words blurring on the page, but she made a good show of reading. You want to get some cheesesteak? My treat? No, thanks, she answered, not sparing him a glance. Taxi, she thought. There's no way I can drive home. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow then. Nice to see you again, Agent Scully, Miranda said. Scully nodded in her direction. Bye. They left, and Scully breathed in the quiet. The journey back to Georgetown seemed as impossible as a trip to the moon, so she broke it down into small mental steps. Phone. Taxi. Soon she could climb inside and close her eyes. When she opened them again, she would be home. Instead of linen tablecloths and crystal, they had particle board and red plastic cups, but the steak was tender and the cheese was hot. These are great, Miranda said, taking a healthy bite of hers. Best in the city, Mulder agreed. He could feel some of the evening stress evaporating from his body. Just try not to notice the grease. Miranda smiled. I'm glad you are still willing to have dinner with me. You look like you've been through the ringer. Wrestling in the sewers again? No, we were involved in that trouble at the Vietnam Memorial today. She shook her head confused. What trouble? I've been cooped up in the library all day. An ex-POW tried to assassinate one of the generals at the rededication ceremony. My God, Miranda breathed. What happened? We stopped him. He didn't detail how or mention the two successful murders they'd had earlier in the day. But Miranda didn't seem phased. She leaned forward, her eyes alight. So, what was the X-File? Mulder shifted backwards on the bench, uncomfortable. It was one thing to recount old glories over a couple of beers, quite another to titillate while three men lay freshly dead. I can't really get into it, he said. Oh, that's okay. He tried changing tracks. How did your research go? Great, she said, brightening again. After your mention of El Chupacabras the other night, I got to thinking it would be interesting to do a lecture on Hispanic myths, perhaps near the end of the semester. Maybe you could come back for that one. Could be. He swirled the ice around in his glass. Hey, have you ever heard of the Lucky Pickle in Puerto Rico? You've got to be kidding me. A Lucky Pickle? Sure. He told her the story, and she laughed when he finished. That is some tale. I bet you anything that a clever pickle vendor invented it to boost sales. He smiled. So, you'll believe in goat suckers, but not magic pickles. Pickle power? She was teasing him again, the way Scully used to do. His toes curled with happiness. Just how is that supposed to work? Is it like a genie in the lamp where you rub the jar and the pickle makes your wish come true? 
Maybe it's like the Pope, he said, catching on. Where you request an audience with the pickle. Miranda laughed. I think you can go to hell for that analogy. Nah, Mulder paused. I'm sure his eminence and the pickle play for the same team. You're positively awful. Miranda tossed her napkin at him, just as his cell phone rang. The hilarity ceased. More work, she asked? Shouldn't be. He dug the phone out but didn't recognize the number glowing on his small screen. Hello? Fox Mulder? Yes, this is Fox Mulder. This is Gabrielle Lucas from the Georgetown Medical Center. I'm calling you because you're listed on Dana Scully's emergency contact card. Mulder stood up so quickly that he knocked the table, causing the cups to jump. What happened? Where is she? Miss Scully was admitted to our emergency room a short while ago. You might want to come down here at your earliest convenience. What's wrong? What happened? Is she okay? Mulder struggled to yank his coat free from where it was caught between the seat and the back of the bench. Fox, Miranda gave him a worried look. All I can tell you is that we're now treating her. I promise you we'll give you all the details when you get here, sir. I'm coming. Tell her I'm coming. He snapped off the phone and freed his coat. Scully's in the hospital, he said, already on the move towards the door. I've got to go. Wait, I'll drive you. No, no, he muttered, fumbling for his keys. It's fine. Miranda caught up with him on the sidewalk and snatched the keys from his hand. You're not going to do her any good if you wrap yourself around a tree. Okay, whatever. Let's just go. Scully had vague recollections of being loaded onto a stretcher and wheeled into the hospital. She was reasonably sure she had answered some questions about her name and the year, but she could not remember where they told her she was. Still, the hospital, she observed, noting the striped curtain and the IV in her arm. Dr. Alton poked her head around the curtain and ended the mystery. Hi, she said. I was just leaving when I got word they'd brought you in. Seems you gave some poor taxi driver quite the scare. He brought me here? Dr. Alton entered the makeshift room and picked up Scully's chart. You took a pretty hard snooze in the backseat of his cab. How are you feeling now? Fuzzy. Scully tried to sit up, but Dr. Alton gently pushed her back down. None of that. What happened to me? I'm not sure, Dr. Alton said, scanning her records. But I can guess. How much have you eaten today? Scully thought back through a day that felt more like a year. Coffee, she said. Animal crackers. Some of a ham sandwich. Hmm. How much of a ham sandwich? I'm not really sure. Well, I am. It wasn't enough. I know you want to keep your job, Dana, but you're going to have to take better care of yourself. I work these kinds of days all the time. It's never been a problem. You've lost 18 pounds, Dr. Alton said more gently. Your body doesn't have the kind of reserve it did before. You need more rest and regular meals. I need to go home, Scully said. Not until Dr. Canera releases you. I think your mom is on her way. Scully closed her eyes. Great. Hey, if it were up to me, I'd keep you until your treatment tomorrow. Mm. Scully was trying to make her sluggish brain come up with a good story to tell her mother. Dr. Alton sighed and squeezed her hand. Feel better, Dana. I'll see you tomorrow, okay? Mulder crashed through the emergency room doors with Miranda on his heels. Dana Scully, he said to the receptionist. They told me she was brought here. One minute, sir. Fox. He turned at the sound of Mrs. Scully's voice. I just got here, she said. 
Her cheeks were pink from the cold. What's going on? How's Dana? I don't know. Mrs. Scully? Oh, thank God, Mrs. Scully said, her hand to her heart. Dr. Alton. The name was familiar to Mulder, but he had never met the woman. He searched her face for any clues about how bad the situation was. Dr. Alton greeted Scully's mom with a calm smile. Dana is okay, she said. She's all right. Mrs. Scully covered half her face with one hand. Really? She's okay? She just overdid it a little. Dr. Alton gave Mulder an appraising look. You must be Agent Mulder. Yeah. Invited to join the inner circle, he took a step forward. What happened to Scully? My guess is she let her blood sugar get too low, but you'll have to talk to Dr. Canera about that. He's her treating physician in the ER. Can I see her? Mrs. Scully asked. I'm sure you can. She hesitated. Let me ask you something, she said to Mrs. Scully. How is Dana doing after her treatments on Fridays? I get the feeling she might be downplaying her fatigue a little. Mrs. Scully wrapped her arms around her waist. I wouldn't know, she said stiffly. He's the one who picks her up on Fridays. The hairs on Mulder's neck stood up. No, I don't. She said you stay with her. Oh, God, her mother said, turning away. So let me get this straight, Dr. Alton said. What I'm hearing is that no one is picking her up from her treatments. I just don't know what to do anymore, her mother said. I just don't know what to do, her mother said. I just don't know what to do anymore. We'll figure it out, Dr. Alton assured her. Right now, why don't you go and see Dana and go easy on her? She's had a rough day. Her mother pursed her lips. I need a glass of water. I need to sit down for a minute. Okay, let me help you. Dr. Alton's voice was soothing. Mulder drifted away from them, back into the emergency room. Dana Scully, he asked, a passing nurse, and she gestured to a curtain near the back. All the beeping and voices faded away as he approached the tiny area. He drew back the curtain. Scully? Mulder. She was as thin and pale as the sheet. Blood stained the collar of her suit, remnants of an unchecked nosebleed. Scully, he repeated, and tears filled her eyes. He stepped forward and took her small, cold hand. His throat ached. Scully, what are you doing? She squeezed. The best I can. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there.